0: let's have a word of prayer, okay? Holy Spirit, uh, I lean on you. We lean upon you right now. And we just declare, God, that I can't change anybody's heart. Uh, I really don't want to try to manipulate anybody's emotions anyway. Um, And though there's some great uh, reasons why to know that Jesus uh, is is the Son of God... um, God, we don't want to lean on reason in our minds either. Holy Spirit, it's got to be you. And so I declare, I I can't move anybody today, but you can. And so, Holy Spirit, would you move us? In fact, somebody just pray that. Say, Holy Spirit, move us. That you just change our hearts today, Lord. That you do a transforming work in us. That as we leave today, may we have a a broader and a deeper picture of who Jesus was and is. God, do a, a great work in us today. Thank you for your Word, um, I declare, Lord, the the most potent things that happen today is when we sing, confess, uh, or, or teach or preach the Word of God. Uh, everything else is subservient to that. And we do pray, Father, that, um, that things would be aligned. Um, I pray, Father, just that You would speak through me. Um, but, Father, at any point where my flesh gets in the way, Lord, may those words kind of fall away and may they just hold on to the Word of God that's been proclaimed and then as you've spoken different applications in the people's own hearts, God. So bless uh, our time as we unpack um, these stories. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, people are, uh, are pretty mischievous. Uh, a couple of months ago, uh, my kids and um, some other sojourners that I, I won't name right now, but I was just looking at, um, decided we wanted to get in some good, clean fun. So we grabbed a case of toilet paper and uh, piled into a couple of vehicles. And first place we hit was um, some other leaders uh, within student discipleship. Uh, went and, and uh, with, with kids in tow, went and, um, and toilet papered um, their yard um, until the, the neighbor's dog started barking, and uh, we had to uh, become ninjas and scatter back to the vehicles. Made sure everybody was there. It, it didn't want to leave a kid behind. And then we took off. Uh, the adrenaline was pumping, and uh, we 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 didn't have time to use all of the toilet paper. So we're like, "All right, we got the energy. Uh, we've kind of broken through the first wall of this. Let's let's go ahead." And so we went to another sojourner's house. And now now, mind you, we're tutoring these kids. All right, and so it wasn't the wasn't the most ideal toilet paper job, uh, but it was a good you know first step uh, for the kids. And I was I was very proud. Zoe had the time of her life uh, as she as she threw that toilet paper as far as she could. Um, we we, uh, we we're gonna help them with their technique so they get it right a little better next time. But they just wanted to share the love uh, with some other people, and they did. Now just a couple of weeks ago, our our house got forked. I want to make sure I say that clearly. Um, it was it was and if you don't know what that is, let me know, and let me have your address um, and uh, but it was it was done well, uh, so that if you looked from the second story window, you couldn't see it from the ground, if you looked from up on high it it was big letters in the yard ha ha and um, so that was it was good um, and uh, there there are other ways to show this type of love to somebody i, I went I went to a university that was started by a uh, a well-known televangelist from the 80s, Jerry Falwell. And um, Dr. Falwell was a huge personality uh, and just a, a great man in many respects. Some things that I, I've had to unpack and unlearn as well, but loved the man. Uh, but uh, one day, a good friend of mine saran-wrapped his Suburban uh, while it was on campus. And uh, so other people were like, oh, I can't believe you did this. But they they didn't know Dr. Falwell was actually one of the biggest tricksters that you'd ever you'd ever meet. He went to an incredibly conservative, um, college. I mean, back in, I don't know, the fifties or sixties, I don't know when it was. And back then, um, he drove his motorcycle through the girls dorm. And, uh, I mean, just to show you the kind of trickster that, that he was. And a lot of people, you just would never know that about him. But, um, uh, to this day, um, I, I enjoy playing a good trick or getting played at times. Um, It's all in good fun, never to be malicious, never to be malicious. Um, Matthew 13 tells the story of a malicious act that Jesus turned into a a parable. This is not our primary text for today, but I want to go to it really quickly. Uh, Matthew 13, 24 to 26, a malicious act. And he used this story to teach a little bit about the kingdom of God. Matthew 13, 24 to 26, he put another parable before them saying, "...the kingdom of heaven may be compared..." To a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. Okay, so these enemies, they put, they put seeds of weeds into this pristine field of newly planted wheat seeds. And the, wheats, the weeds came up um, and they made normal harvesting incredibly difficult. For them all right Um, and Jesus went on to explain that the world is like that field um, that lovers of Jesus and deniers of Christ live together in this world but the Lord he will actually have no problem in the end distinguishing between the two though it was a hard harvest for this guy it's not going to be a hard harvest for Jesus later on and uh, this is this is part of a description uh, of what the kingdom of God is and today's text that we're going to hit also deals with seeds and describing the kingdom of God. And so Jesus tells two parables about seeds. And we're in Mark 4 uh, as we're walking through the entire book of Mark. Mark chapter 4, 26 to 34. We're going to cover two different stories in here. Let me go ahead and start with this, this, first, this first section. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Let me just keep going. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With, much, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples. He explained everything. There's the word of God. Now before, before we break these down, I, I want to look at a couple of other scriptures that talk about the kingdom of God. Because he keeps talking about this, keeps bringing up this verbiage. And then we're going to talk, then we're going to unpack uh, this scripture here. let um, to start, actually, in the beginning of, of this series, in the beginning of this teaching, in the book of Mark, in chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, it says this. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. All right. so this is the verse we actually continue to come back to during this series. Because uh, the subtitle, I mean the title of the series is Mark. uh, Just because that's what we're walking through. Uh, But the subtitle is Repent and Believe the Gospel. So we keep coming back to this. In Mark 1, chapter 15, where it says that we are to repent and believe in the gospel. If you're an unbeliever, that you're in here today that you don't believe in the deity of Christ or you never surrendered to Jesus Christ, placed all of yourself, all of your life into His hands, then my message to you today is the message of Jesus. Repent and believe in the Gospel. But if you're a Christian in here, the message still stays stays the same because we have functional saviors. We keep turning away from God as being our source and being our hope. And I'd say the same thing to you that Jesus says to you and to me, and it's repent and believe in the Gospel. Um, I really believe that our biggest problems are, it's not even our sin, uh, it's um, its not our pride and our arrogance and having our own uh, objectives, it's not our circumstances, um, it's our lack of belief in who God is and in what He's accomplished. We need to have clarity there. And, and, and so I, I throw out to you today that even now that you say, God, show me right now, show me where... I don't believe you. Where I don't believe what you actually accomplished on the cross for me. Show me where I go to other gods. Where I go somewhere else. You know, for my for my well being. And uh, and God, then help me as I, I repent. I confess and repent it before you. Now, so that that verse right there talks about um, repenting and believing in in the gospel. But the the part that's in there. Um, is the primary reason to repent of what we incorrectly believe and to believe in the great news of Christ's birth, death, and on on the cross, uh, the resurrection, is because the kingdom of God is at hand. Or you could say it's near. The kingdom of God is near you. That's what he was telling them back then. He says the kingdom of God is near. Well, I want you to know today, the kingdom of God is near because the king is near. He's here. He is the king, and he was walking among them. And where the king went, the kingdom was made manifest. Now, I want you to process through this as you think about the brokenness in your family, the brokenness on your street you live in, the the crap that you deal with at work or at school, the the unbelievable things that have happened to you or that you've done to other people. And what would happen if, if Jesus showed up Right here today, or showed up at your family, or showed up at your workplace, or showed up at your class, and just said, "I'm I'm in charge. I've got this." What would happen? Well, I think that's what we need to imagine, because He is here. And when we see the injustice, when we see the areas that you know of, that that people are in bondage in our own city, and they're hurting, to be able to say, "All right, God, what what would you do if if you were walking among them?" And, he, and God says, "I'm gonna do it." Because I'm in you. Now go walk among them. Go walk among them. Now Matthew 6.10 talks about the kingdom of God. But we're told actually to pray for the kingdom of God to come. Um, this is We just prayed this a little while ago. Matthew 6.10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when I pray this... Um, I actually, I take the modifier as it is in heaven and I apply it to both because it's applied to both. You're To say, God, may your kingdom come as it is in heaven. May your will be done as it is in heaven. To where you're just saying, God, may it, may it come and be manifest right here in me. What if Jesus was standing right by me? Those, those days, those nights, those temptations, whatever it is that we have, what if Jesus was standing right there? He is. We need to repent and believe it. And say, God, may your kingdom come. May I live and walk right now. As if I could just, boom, put my, put my hand over here. And it's on Jesus' shoulder. Because he's here. The king is here. He's near to us. We prayed this earlier, as I said. And in that, not only are you asking, but you're actually proclaiming. More, more about this in just a little while. Another place in Scripture. And this is, I mean, there's a there's a, a a list, I think it was 60-something, 60 66 verses in the New Testament that have just the term kingdom of God. And so I'm just pulling three out here, but Matthew six thirty-three: Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And Jesus was speaking there as well, and, and He said that our first priority in our lives need to be the, the kingdom of God. That we seek it first kind of mysterious to me, Dave. I'm like, okay. I mean, I can say it. I can pray it, but what does it really mean to, for, the, for the kingdom of God to be to be near? And um, to some, this concept may seem a little confusing, but, but let me just break it down and, and try to make it as plain as possible to think of what it means when we're saying the kingdom of God being among us. Jesus is king. He is Lord over everything. The world is broken. People live daily with themselves on the throne. And the kingdom of God is coming and breaking in the middle of all that. Are you with me? Jesus is king. He rules over everything. I'm broken. The world is broken. And the kingdom of God, the king is coming and it's exploding onto the scene. That's what we're asking when we're praying. We're saying, God, don't leave us like we are. The circumstance that I'm in, this hardship, God... Don't leave it the way it is. Come and explode onto the scene. I mean, I don't know if you've seen, uh, I, I grew up watching Jason the Argonauts, and it was just horrible stop-motion film, but it was the greatest thing in the world back then. And, and uh, you know, you've got Clash of the Titans back in the day, and you've got New Clash of Titans and Immortals and other things like that, where it talks about these gods, the Greek or the Roman gods, that would come, they'd materialize, and they'd just, well, boom, and they'd come, and they'd walk, and, The things they did are not good, you know. They weren't good gods uh, because they were hedonists, you know, to the core. Very self-indulgent. But, man, what in the world happens? What in the world could happen if Jesus exploded on the scene tomorrow as you go into work, as you go into school, in the group that you're in, in the carpool line, you know? What would happen? That guy cuts you off. All of a sudden, he's like, oh, Jesus, you're next to me. It's okay. All right. All right, right here. I don't have to tell them they're number one, right? Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God a lot. So, what was he shooting for in these two parables? Right, let's, let's dig into these. Um, that first story again, and uh, we'll just read it again. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, he, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, one of of the scholars that I look to, an adjunct prof of ours per se, is uh, Don Carson, D.A. Carson. He said this. He said, uh, "This, this parable reminds us of the quiet and continuous, we might almost say, the inevitable growth of God's kingdom in our hearts. We don't need to be anxious and struggle. The seed will bear fruit in its own accord. We cannot understand the process of spiritual growth any more than we can understand the process of natural growth. But we do not need to understand in order to share it. Did you hear that? We do not need to understand in order to share it. The seed needs only the right conditions for growth. Harvest is a promise but it may bring a hint of God's judgment as well as often does in the Bible. Guys, the kingdom of God, it's the rule and the reign of Jesus over all things, but made manifest right in front of you. That's what we're asking for. It's saying, alright God, I live in the city of man, but I belong to the city of God. As Augustine talked about. I mean, what What happens when we start to understand that our allegiance is to the city of God above the city of man. What happens when when even when we get to the place where we start denying ourselves mastership over ourselves? That's the hardest part. And we say, no, Dave, you're not king. Jesus is king. And we surrender. And, and listen, this is a, a weekly battle. This is a daily battle. Every day. But we confess and repent. We just continue. Not not in condemnation, but in beauty and in freedom. We just continue to say, I'm not the king. I'm not a good king. Jesus is king. And God says, look, what I'm doing here, you can't even control the growth of it. I'm the one that's going to make it happen. Because I'm the king. Let's let's go further. The next parable. He said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed which when sown on the ground is the smallest of the seeds on earth. Yet, when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its in its shade. The mustard seed, guys, um, it's, it's tiny. Um, but in time, it grows into a bush that's one of the largest was one of the largest in, in the ancient Near East and even to this day one of the largest plants. Now it's not the smallest of the seeds. Because the point of this parable wasn't, wasn't let me find the smallest seed. The point of it was the contrast between one of the smallest things to become one of the largest things in its own family. And something that you almost can't even stop. It was an herb. Or it is an herb. Um, and the mustard plant can grow up to heights of uh, 10 or 12 feet and can attain a, a thickness of 3 or 4 inches. This is a plant, you guys. Mustard. Um, I, uh, I, I went, to, went to Publix and, and uh, I was hoping that I'd find some mustard seed. And sure enough, I was able to find some mustard seeds. And, and um, what we've done is, is uh, Dave Porter was good enough to, to scatter them um, around, um, for those of you guys who are Christians, when we take communion, there are some mustard seeds that are on the communion tables, and uh, what I want you to do is to take one and to take it with you. Um, uh, if you're not a believer, and therefore you wouldn't go to the communion tables, there's, there's some tables, uh, the welcome tables, uh, where there's some books and, and Bibles, that there's piles of, of mustard seeds, and I want all of you to take one. I mean, you can take probably five, and there's, and there's like a million of these things, Okay. Um, but take one and just know you're not you're probably not going to be able to keep it for very long you're probably going to lose it in your pocket or or in your bible or what i mean wherever you put it you're, you're going to lose it because it's that small it's hard it's hard to to hold on to it it doesn't it doesn't bring very much respect i mean give me a good pumpkin seed all right or I, how many of y'all you, you like you' like Chewing and spitting, uh, spitting out uh, sunflower seeds in, in the holes. All right, have you found bigs yet? Have you seen these? Go to Dick's Sporting Goods. I don't know where else they have them. Um, but these things, they're just called bigs. And they're just gargantuan, you know? I mean, they're about the size of my thumb, these these uh, seeds. I mean, so it's just awesome, awesome seeds. I mean, I, I respect that seed. I like that seed. This mustard seed, man, I mean, just, you're going to lose it. But the kingdom of God will not be lost. Jesus is doing something so amazing here that whether you have faith in it or not, He's going to win. He is going to build His kingdom. He is going to go to the person that you thought would never surrender to Jesus Christ. And He's going to go and grip their heart. And He's going to pull them to Himself. And you're going to say, God, only You could have done that. Only You. You can't stop Him. You can't stop the growth of the kingdom of God. And look, I know you guys. I know none of you would want to. But do you know what needs to change in me? And I'd say probably needs to change in you is we need to believe it. We need to have a, a humble confidence that just says, you know what? Man, the kingdom of God is not hinged on my knowledge of the Bible. It's not hinged upon how good of a reputation that I have. It's not hinged on on how far out I am from that addictive sin that the kingdom of God is going to press forward because Jesus is going to press it forward until it's complete. And that's awesome, you guys. It's not dependent upon me. So therefore, as a result of that, we can get behind it. We can just say, okay, God, You're going to do it. You're plowing the way. I'm just along along with You, and I'm just following my leader. Guys, you don't have to be the leader. You don't have to be the strongest person. You don't have to be the greatest theologian. You just got to believe. You just got to believe you're just going to win. You just got to believe that, I mean, we talk about it a lot, this, this passage that says, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it even to the day of Christ Jesus. He's going to complete it in you, you guys. He's going to complete you. Believe it. Because there's so much strength that comes when we know this, and and there's there's such a there's such a, a freedom and a, and a lack of anxiety that comes when you when you see your friends and you're like you know, all the pressure of can I live this 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 walk out can I can I really be a good Christian? You can just be released of all those pressures because you know God, you're going to complete it, and that actually is what gives you the strength to be victorious. Point wasn't that it was the tallest of any tree or bush or plant. That point was it was so small and it became one of the largest plants. What, what's your favorite Cinderella sports story? You got it in your mind? You know, the that unknown team, the, the underdog, small college team that makes it to the playoffs, they go to the big dance, maybe they make it to the final four. Well, here, here's a here's a couple of the of the best. 1985, Villanova Wildcats, basketball team, they're the lowest seed ever to win the NCAA tournament. I mean, the game was supposed to be a blowout, but it just happened to occur on April Fool's Day. You know, kind of nice. And in 1985, Villanova, they came in and uh, they were, I mean, Georgetown was overwhelmingly favored. And they beat them 66-64. One of the greatest upsets in college basketball, you know. 1980. Some of, a lot of y'all weren't born then, but you've heard the story. United States Olympic men's hockey team. It's got to be the greatest Cinderella story ever. Just a scrappy bunch of college kids and going up against... The USSR and it's right in the middle of the Cold War. I mean, it's just—it's just crazy. I mean, it, what's what's going on in these times? And and the Soviets have won the previous four gold medals. And they go up against them in the semifinals, and they beat them. Sorry if I let that out. If you didn't finish in the story for you guys, if you hadn't seen the movie yet, Miracle is that what it is? What's yeah? All right. Well, that's the ending for you. They win, and uh, they went on to defeat Finland and uh, got the gold gold medal great cinderella story where you just you just don't you don't expect you don't expect it guys do you know that when there's a time there's a time when there was just the jews you know and and they and they followed yahweh and, and and you read this story read the old testament it's unbelievable how god continued to keep their line and not allow them to be abolished and wiped out because there was a there was a god man coming through their line named jesus he's coming and, and when he, he comes on the scene, and, and his his family didn't even believe believe in him, you know they thought he was crazy. And he died. He had these guys who who bought into it for a while, like, all right, maybe you are the Messiah, and, and you're going to change the world, and we'll follow you. And then he went to the cross, and he died. Man, what are we going to do? We're on third day. On the third day, he rose again because he's not just a man. He's the God man. He's Jesus. And he came back. And that shorted, that was the mustard seed, guys. It was the mustard seed that will not be held back. It's not going to be held back. And though even in that time, man, they just thought, oh, it's, it's going to be stamped out. I'm very, what, are they, what are they? Are they Are they crazy? These people, they're talking about a guy that rose again from the dead. Where is this going to go? You know, let's try to stamp it out. But I think probably some others were kind of like, just let it, you know, let it roll. You know, they're just, they're going to, they're not, they're not going to be able to maintain this facade for too long. But it didn't, and it's become the most powerful faith ever. It's a mustard seed that's grown and growing and continue to grow. Guys, this brings much hope. Especially to those that are in the persecuted church. The Voice of the Martyrs. Um, go to persecution.com. Persecution.com. Voice of the Martyrs. Um, they, uh, they note different nations that restrict Christianity. Here's some North Korea, China, Cuba, India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, most of the Middle East. I mean, you've got Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, and others. Much of North Africa, Sudan, Morocco, others that are in there. And guys, these Christians, these Christians, I mean, they're persecuted. And some of them, they're killed for their faith in Christ. Because it's against the law. We've got friends, the Skinners, who led worship today. And they've just come back from East Asia in a place where and there was persecution going on right there there was troubles that stirred because of people sharing the gospel who are natives in the underground church and I mean it just there's a lot of tough things that happened there and, and and here's the thing these the persecuted church they're encouraged by this story they're encouraged knowing that their faith is not in vain that their persecution is not forgotten by God it's something that began in a stable but it's going to end with a king and an army that's coming to put everything right someday. For them to just know, I don't know how it's going to end up for me. I don't know if I'm going to live a full and long life as a Christian. But no matter what, my faith is not in me or my timeline or my health or whatever the government does to me. My faith is in the king of kings who made me a son, who made me a daughter. Now that's It's hard for us to kind of put ourselves in those shoes because... We're just not persecuted like that. and and, I mean, stuff happens to us that we can kind of call persecution and all that, but comparatively, it's not persecution. What do you do with that? I I, I believe that God intends to raise up more American Christians to go to these countries and others and to proclaim the freeing message of the cross to some to, to live your life there. The rest of your life, and just to be to become as indigenous as possible in another country. For some, to give your life, your life will be taken, so that others will hear the message of Jesus. I mean, do we do we believe this message that strong? Do we believe it enough to say, God, even if you took my life, I'm willing to do it. If we don't, maybe we don't understand the message at all. Now, I'm not saying that everybody's supposed to pack your bags and go. Go move overseas. If God tells you that, roll. Let's go. I'll help you pack your bags. But God wants us to give our life in that same way, right where He calls us, right where we are. And I believe that for most of us, He's going to give us the both end of the here, the, the Jerusalem, the Judea, the Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world that in our life that we're connecting uh, in, in those different areas. Are you called? Are you called to go short term, long term? I know God's going to call some of you. So what, what do you need to do? I mean, check out Voice of the Martyrs. That'd be a good place to, to go. Check out Wycliffe Bible Translators. There's a lot of places that don't, don't have the gospel in their language yet. Give money to that. Maybe give, give your life to learning to translate. Some of you may be called to go on some scouting or pioneering trips. I and mean, talk to me. Talk to Wesley. Talk to uh, talk to Doug. Talk to some of us. We can we can talk with you more about what to do next if God's stirring you, in that. But the, the point of this parable it seems to be that while the the kingdom of God it may appear to be insignificant and have these these unnoticeable beginnings that someday someday it's going to be. It's going to be huge. And, and back in that time, I mean, it wasn't. It was before he we even went to the cross. But we're living in the someday. And it's going further. Something who's just an insignificant man. A classic poem. It says, he was born in an obscure village, the son of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he became a wandering preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a, fam- had a family or owned a house. He didn't go to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of those things one usually associates with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He was turned over to his enemies and went through a mockery of a trial. He was executed by the state. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as that one solitary life. Don't take that as a positive mental attitude thing to say, man, okay, I can be that one solitary life that that I'm used to go and change the world. No, the point is, Jesus changed the world. And He's going to continue to change the world. Just get behind Him. Just listen to what He has to say. He's the King of kings, He's the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus. And He came with these humble beginnings. But He is coming back with power and authority to judge the earth. The few family memorized a, a, a scripture this week. It's Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 10, 12, and 13. And let's see if I can get it, alright? Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God... And, and walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Now, now here's the thing. is I, I posted that on Facebook this week, just that the family was doing that, and just, just trying to give ideas for other people, dads and moms, of how to how to uh, train their kids and whatnot. And, and I had an, a Gnostic relative of mine that kind of pushed back a little bit, on there, and uh, publicly on, on on the Facebook. And uh, it wasn't ugly, but he just basically said, said, look, the real God is not a God that people should fear. The God of this world is Satan, and he's the one that, that most people are actually worshiping, basically saying Christians and all are really worshiping Satan. Um, and um, he's one just to be loved because he's all love. And my response to him was something along the lines of, First, I thanked him uh, for his comments. But I said, look, for, for Christians, um, what, what fear of the Lord is, is that I mean, you revere him as he's king. He's dad, first and foremost. But he's, he's king to us. We revere him. We respect him. We, we honor him. and, and uh, But we, we acknowledge him in being in this place. It's not of a fear that he's going to smite us. Because there's no condemnation. But we say, you are the king. So there is, no, there is no real fear in that way of Him because, because He's already poured the wrath upon His Son. I says, but for those who are unbelievers, for those who deny the unique atonement, the unique um, sacrifice and the ransom that He paid on that cross, the exclusive thing that Jesus did on the cross for those who say, I don't need that or I don't believe Him. I said, those are folks who need to fear God and tremble. And we should. And, I, and I, I pose that to you, man. If you're any of my friends in here that you're just like, No, no I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, I got it. I don't need God. I'm, I've got my own life. You need to fear. You need to fear a God who has paid the price. And for all those who say, That's okay. God, I don't need your son. He'll say, Alright. Have it your way. There's hell to pay. Um, as a result of that, but this is the God of mercy and grace that offers Himself to us to s- surrender, surrender to Him. So listen, I, let me just bring bring everything down and just bring some conclusion to to all this today. Um, there there's some days that I wonder, I'm like you know what are, are we winning? Um, are we just as as a me as a person, or as, me as a, us as a family, or or church, or just Christianity? Are, are we winning? Are we, are we pressing the ball forward? Or me personally, am I growing in Christ? Is is the church with a big C? Is it making progress? And on the first notion, it's about 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 me and about you. As you analyze yourself, sometimes we look and we see that we still struggle with things after years of being a Christian. You with me? Like crap. What am I? God, come on! Am I ever gonna? You're better. am ever going to grow? To that I say, your Christian faith is not dependent upon how good you're doing. It depends on how good Christ is. And it's not based upon what you can accomplish for God, but it's about what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And that is the gospel. and that's where we need to repent of anything that stands up against that and believe the gospel. Now on the other, the second is the church making progress. And listen, I know there's, there's times we need to apologize and have solidarity and repentance for scandals and stories that make you mad. But ultimately, guys, God is moving. He's moving forward. God is reclaiming people. He's moving His kingdom forward. And we're not to be depressed by our brokenness and bow out. We're to repent and believe. Neither are we to be disconnected from others because of our view of God's victory, but rather to know that He chooses to use us in the expansion of His kingdom. So what's next? There is a broken world out there, y'all. Focus focus down here. There's a broken city right here where we live, you guys. God has a plan to bring great news to the city, y'all. All And God has a plan to help the helpless and to bandage the wounded right here in this city to show this city that the kingdom of God is near because the king is near here in Huntsville. Find out where you are supposed to be His hands and feet. Find out where is it in this city that you're supposed to be hands and feet. So pulling all this back together to apply and and for us to confess and repent we need to seek first the kingdom of God. when you say, All right, God, I we want to see you explode on the scene. God, explode in my life today. God explode in my family today. Explode in my school today. Explode out of work today. You're asking you ask him that. You you pray for it. You pray for his kingdom to come. And again, that just means that the rule and the reign of Christ is in your life and in your family, and in your church, and in your city, and in your world. Pray that. God, may your rule and reign, which is reality, may it be manifest. May we see it. May it come. And then know confidently that God is going to complete His mission. There's mustard seeds at the communion tables. And uh, when you go up there, I mean... Grab one and just put it wherever you want. Maybe some of you all need to grab grab one and and later on take it and swallow it as well and just say, you know what, God, that you've immersed me into your family and into your kingdom and and I just in a, in a, as a declaration, God, that I I will never be lost. I will always be captured. By you but as you go just pro- proclaim as, as jesus said he said he took the bread and he broke it and said this is my body that was broken for you take and eat it and he said this is my this is my blood which was poured out for you take it and drink it and the way we get you to do it today is, is uh, grab the bread that's already, it's broken from a common package and dip it either in the wine or in the, the juice and then just right there, or, or go back to your seats alone, or if you want to get together with a family, or or uh, just with some other people, and just gather around and just circle up and pray, or may, maybe have some thoughts. Say, you know what, man? I need to confess this, or or God just touched me and he's saying this in my life. Um, just reflect and respond, and uh, enjoy this time of reflection. Okay, let's pray. Lord, uh, pray that you uh, you help us as we as we process through that you are king that your kingdom is expanding it it will not it will not be defeated and that we over and over keep coming back that our peace is because Jesus is king not us and that he has chosen a people and he died for them and he will never let them go he will not let them go to destruction but will win their hearts and so in a humble confidence we can just proclaim him and leave the rest up to the holy spirit as we walk with people god and and truly lord again show us where in our city or even in our world lord where do you want to connect us as a person as a family as a as a, a journey group or a missional community as a church lord where is it that you want to connect us to places in our city this world that the kingdom of God needs to come. There's injustice. There's people hurting. There's people that are in pain. There's people impoverished. People that are trapped because of sin or, or whatever it is, Lord. That we go We just say, Man, Jesus loves you. Turn to him and we part of providing their needs and helping them on their feet. Help us so we ponder this, Lord, and trust you in Jesus'